Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I will continue reading the War Diaries by Paul and Amber. Actually, it's Amber who's writing them. Paul and Amber are friends of mine who um, live in Poland. They are Poles, and they've taken in refugees from the Ukraine. And they are keeping a diary of, of their lives and the relationships and how the how everything is going. And I am honored to have permission to read some of these on my podcast. So I really suggest you go back and listen last week so you can get a little caught up on what's going on at their house. War Diaries, March 13th, 2022, day 18. We have convinced Marina not to go to the Netherlands. So for the moment, she is safe with us as we draft a new plan. The UK has opened up their borders with fewer restrictions, and we have family and friends there, so we could place her with a known sponsor. She speaks English, which would make finding work easier. I would only place her with a person I know and trust, preferably a woman and a mother who has had to deal with difficult kids and would be willing to commit to seeing her through to a settled status. The other English-speaking Ukrainian women here who advised me on this matter would rather see her remain here for another month as they are convinced the war will be over soon and everyone will return. I have no idea if the war will be over in a month. I have my doubts. And besides, as I told them this morning, the entire infrastructure will have to be rebuilt. So what kind of life would she have there? The train stations and Poznan Poznan, Warsaw, Roklaw, and Krakow, at least these I know for a fact, but likely in Lodz and Lublin, too, are jam-packed with refugees. There are volunteers who bring food and blankets, but these refugees are stacked high and hygiene is a problem. Disease spreads easily. Altogether, it's yet another disaster in the making. The Polish government had originally offered to hotels and spa resorts 120 PLN, PLN, I think that's how you pronounce it, per day, per refugee for shelter and food. Now they have reduced that rate to 40 a day and hotels, as a result, will not participate. They can't. It's not enough to shelter and feed and care for the needs of those in such a situation. I don't have an axe to grind with the hotels, but the government is downright shameful and disgraceful in their decision to cut the per diem rate below sustainability. We are now at 32 refugees and will likely have more coming. When the weather is warm, we can pitch tents and feed them in the common area and see to their medical needs. However, 
This is of no value to those trapped inside train stations all across Poland. The United States, from what I've been told, has given the Polish government $1 million to house these refugees, but their solution is to put them on the floors of abandoned schools and other large community spaces providing only beds. The fragility of this crisis is no different from any other humanitarian crisis of this kind, except that the Polish government could mobilize and steward their funds to create a more humane atmosphere, if nothing else, at least a practical one, providing beds alone is not enough. To add insult to injury, there is one place only in the whole of Poland that will exchange Ukrainian money, and that's in Warsaw. The exchange rate is poor. We are going to turn the heat on in the Dwar and start accepting more refugees there. Stefan is going to Warsaw in about five days and will be volunteering at the station. I'm sure he will return with the family. Today, we have a Zoom call with a family friend from London who has a good situation there and can help host a few. As the day closes on day 18, we have a stable plan for Marina. She has relatives in Zurich who are willing to shelter and care for her until she can get on her feet. She will have to take a few courses in German, but we vetted the situation this morning. And after a long conversation with the auntie who lives in Zurich is prepared to receive her, we feel confident that Marina's best interest is at heart here. We will go to the eye doctor tomorrow. Maria needs new glasses, and we will have a doctor make a house call for the new women who arrived from Kiev last night in a wheelchair. She is 87 years old and traveled with her daughter. They had no running water and no electricity in Kiev. It was like that for five days before they decided they had at least to try, had to try to make it to the border. Paul's cousin Henry and his dear wife, Yulia, belong to this family. And because of their tireless efforts, were able to not only bring grandma and auntie through, but also the grandchildren. This is how we work at Sichao. This is what your donations support. A million thanks, Paul and Amber. War Diaries, March 14, 2022, day 19. Carl Young said, we all walk in shoes too small. I don't think this applies to Elisa, however. She was up early with her hair beautifully braided. Her outfit could have easily been an advertisement for Dapkins. Her teddy bear backpack hung evenly over each shoulder. She was ready to go to school. Her mother, a friend, me and the dogs, accompanied, accompanied her as she marched up the steps, shoulders squared into the school office where she waited to be registered. Once the formalities were complete, she marched up another set of stairs into the classroom. I have mentioned Alessia before. She is our chess champion. She's the one that never averts your, your stare. I believe she enjoys looking at people. I suspect she studies us. This precious child was lovingly carried through a war zone by an attentive family who treasures her. This is her center point. This is the place that informs her, the place where she situates herself in the world. Paul drove the teenagers into town where the headmistress of the local high school welcomed them. 
They return today full of excitement and hope. They will be studying Polish astronomy, history of the Ukraine, general history, Poles-like history, math, overall preparatory classes for their matura, much like the exams American students take before entering university. Two are ballet dancers. One is a budding filmmaker. Ukrainians are keen on school. Not even war stops them in their path to an education. I can honestly say I've never seen anything like it. It's natural to them. It has an easiness about it. And you don't feel a tremendous pressure applied from anyone. They just genuinely like school. They like to learn. Henry and Yulia are here from London. Henry is the son of Paul's first cousin, Magdalena. His wife, Yola, is Ukrainian. They have been with, uh, with us for a week on a mission to evacuate four other family members, Yulia's grandmother, her auntie, and her two cousins. Each of the four have a chilling story. Each escaped the shelling in Kiev. First, the cousins made their way to the border, walking 20 kilometers with with what they could carry, wading through water near waist deep, observing the dead on the side of the road. In another entry, I will tell you about the transportation company that nearly absconded with their money, what little they have, and possibly might have put them in even danger. But I will save that for later. The world has asked of them to witness too much. Hopefully, Henry and Yola were waiting at the border and brought them to safety. It looked like they would be leaving mother and grandmother behind for an unknown period of time. But when the block of flats was destroyed, the one just next door to them, the neighbor suggested they get out. The same 20 kilometers he pushed the wheelchair over endless stretches of rubble was Yola's 87-year-old grandmother holding on tight. Before they made this journey, they would hide in the basement of the building when the nighttime bombing began. One night, her cousin drew a picture of what he would consider the perfect day. A football pitch, the sun shining, his mates all playing what Americans call soccer. His mother looked down at this paper and she said to herself, we may die here tonight. You might never play football again. But for this family, there is a different ending. They did not die. Mom sat at the table with Yulia last night and expressed her thoughts that now she considered anything possible. All is manageable now that they are safe. Henry and Yulia are not your typical pair. They have pulled four family members from the jaws of death. They have been the family's ambassadors to peace and safety. No stone has been left unturned. They will continue to work from London, first sorting paperwork for the cousins to join them, and then in time, mother and grandmother, who will stay with us at Sichao until then. The doctor will make a house call tomorrow to make sure all are well. Did I tell you that the cousins were adopted by Yulia's auntie? They had lost their parents to war in 2014 in Donetsk. I will drive Maria to eye doctor for an examination and new glasses tomorrow. Today I took her grandfather who literally came with the clothes on his back for a new pair of jeans, a jacket, and a pair of tennis shoes. 
he was most pleased. In fact, we had an impromptu fashion show. He said he felt young again. We have two blind people and three other family members arriving tomorrow. They will stay at the Dwar, D-W-O-R. We bought Marina's ticket today. She leaves tomorrow. I will miss her, but insisted she contact me if anything bad were to happen, she promised. I would like to talk about enchantment and mythology. Perhaps tomorrow when I hope to be feeling better, I'm warding off a cold. One that I can pass along today is, these Ukrainians have also impacted my life forever. Fear is not a word I will use recklessly ever again. I will think long and hard before I dare resort to such extravagance. Let me end with Mary Oliver, when death comes, inspiration for a life well lived. When it is over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. War Diaries, March 16th, 2022, day 21, with the quote by Carl Jung. The only real danger that exists is man himself, and we know nothing of man. His psyche should be studied because we are the origin of all coming evil. Henry wrote to me this morning and told me that Nietzsche said, we are guided by our own depth and when we respond to this, we are living our myth. However, he warns us against large ideas. Nietzsche, that is. I'm sorry about my pronunciation. N-I-E-T-Z-S-C-H-E. There is a danger that the insight will come too soon to understand itself. This is what Henry wrote to me this morning. Henry was the director of the Young Center at Houston in 1995 when I went to work there. It was a time when the curriculum offered a 10-week course on the collected works of Carl Jung. They don't offer this anymore and not because the current director would oppose. If anything, I'm sure Sean would delight to see such an addition, but it's not a popular subject and the classes would not fill. There was a visible enthusiasm to talk soul and mythology and dreams and fairy tales. There were so many men who wanted to know why we did the things we did. And when Marion Woodman said with authority, unconscious means unconscious. We wanted to know what that meant and how to get there. What was this road into the unconscious? What was a complex? What was shadow work? What is the psyche? Is there a God? What is the nature of evil? Probing these questions, studying material that could help us understand who we are was plentiful and extensive. These courses were challenging and undiluted. I re didn't realize it at the time, but the, those were the golden years. Lawrence Hillman, James Hillman's son, once told me that his father said to him, when you have a problem, make it really big so you can see it. I can't think of anything bigger than close proximity to a war to illustrate his remark. So here's what troubles me today, profoundly so. 
It got all stirred up last Monday, last night, when we took in five more people, three of whom are suffering from noticeable trauma, psychological, psychological fragility, and an edginess that we are simply not qualified to handle. They have requested to be placed elsewhere. The best we can do at the moment is offer them a private flat in town that since sits empty most of the year. It belongs to a family member of Stephens who has graciously offered to help us out. Still, I don't know if they will take it, and I don't, under any circumstances, think this is the best solution long term, because I believe they need a more advanced level of care. So this war, how did we get here? I'm sure there's not a shortage of historians who can tell us how we got here politically, but how did we get here spiritually and psychologically? As I see it, our civilization has put itself at the top of the food chain and thus set off a catastrophic state of affairs leading to acute narcissism, consumerism, restlessness, hyper-anxiety, melodrama, and obsessive rationalization to name a few symptoms. We live in a world that seeks to intellectualize fairy tales. Ritual is awkward for us, and we don't understand what it means to live a symbolic life. We place everything on the outside of ourselves and are surprised when there's a crisis. But indeed, there is a crisis. And up until now, for example, the three suffering souls who arrived last night had been contained within the borders of their everyday lives until war aggressively forced them into a situation that is now untenable for them. In point of fact, though, it's no different from the shooter who emboldens himself one weekday morning armed and prepared to kill as many as possible. There is a war going on inside of him too, I assure you. So what is inside of us? We're so compulsive about what we eat and the supplements we take and what we look like and how we age and if we get enough exercise, if our Instagram life is successful, if we have a plethora of Facebook friends and on and on. But who is it that is inside of us? Whose life are we living? To live our myth, yet not to let it overtake us, to always be prepared to practice humility. And the only way I know how to do this is to remain in service to others, even the ones that really get on my nerves. I'm actively and consciously in relationship to something larger than myself, some bigger story, something wiser and something timeless. I should have been a Methodist minister like Henry. Saturday, we are all going on a day trip to San Demers and having pizza on the way home. We have higher transportation that can seat 26 and we'll add two more private cards to absorb the rest. So I'm going to stop at that today and I'm going to be continue reading these um, on Mondays. Therefore, I will also be having interviews aired on my regular day on Thursdays. So I hope you're enjoying, enjoying these stories. I just think they're, oh, 
Wow. Um, Eye-opening. And just, I just feel so honored that I'm able to share these. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Sending lots of love to everyone. I just wanted to share that in the show notes, I will be putting um, Amber and Paul's bios just for you to read about them and their backgrounds because they're both fascinating people. And also the information if you would like to make a donation to their fund helping um, the Ukrainian people. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.